Have you ever needed something and then not realized until after the fact that you needed something? And then you thought back and you were like, man, it would have been really, really helpful <laughs> to have that thing. Well, that is what we're going to talk about today. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I am Dr. Stephanie Hack, the Lady Parts Doctor, and thank you so much for joining me today to continue our conversation because you know I love it when we chat and we're always talking about good stuff. So today is another installment in our Convo series, and I'm really happy to have this guest today because every time I'm speaking with her, she is basically telling me something else, something new that I didn't know. And so I thought, you know, I'm an OBGYN and her field works very closely with mine. She's a physical therapist. And if I'm learning new things, imagine all the new things that you can know. And since I really want this podcast to empower you, to inform you, so you know what questions to ask, so you know what's available. I'm like, girl, you gotta come on this show so we can have a conversation and talk about it and we can share it with you. So you're going to listen in to a conversation that we're having. And my goal, like I said, is just to give you more information about what exactly a physical therapist does and basically how they can be helpful to you. So get comfortable, relax, and listen in. Hello, and welcome to the Lady Parts Doctor podcast. I'm so excited to have another guest in our combo series. (laughs) So I'm going to give a brief introduction for our conversation today. Our special guest today is Dr. Taya Qualls. She is a physical therapist with expertise in a lot of different areas. And I'm just going to give some of her bio and then I'll toss it to her so she can um, give you a little more information. But she has a physical therapy practice. It is quality touch, physical therapy, and wellness. Uh, She is the founder of quality touch, physical therapy, and wellness, and she serves the DMV area, DC, Maryland, and Virginia. She's a licensed physical therapist, but she also has an additional certification in pelvic health, which You know, we're going to go on to talk about this and the importance of this, but it's so necessary, so important, so helpful for many of us. She earned her BS in biology from Hampton University, HU. I'm not going to say the real HU because I didn't go to an HBCU and I don't want to get involved in that. Um, but after that, she got a master's and a doctoral degree in physical therapy um, from Howard. So you did both HUs. <laughs> so I guess I could say the real HU for you for, for both of them. And she has been in practice and had a career over 16 years. So she knows what she's talking about. She also, also in addition to all of this is a doula. So we've been also talking about the importance of having additional support in childbirth and pregnancy and postpartum. So she's trained as a birth doula and she provides education, emotional and physical support for pregnant people and postpartum people. So I am very, very honored and thankful to have you joining us today. 
Yes, thank you for having me. I'm excited <laughs> to do this with you. So, yep, let's get to it. Yeah, is there anything that you want to add for the bio? Um, I think you covered it pretty, pretty well. So I, I would say the biggest thing um, that I would mainly add is that um, I provide home services. So I travel to people's homes, yes. providing services in home, but we also offer services in our clinic locations, which are in Alexandria, Virginia, as well as Rockville, Maryland. And for those that would like a virtual experience, we also offer telehealth services as well. And you can follow us at Quality Touch PT across all social media handles. Whoop, whoop. And we'll remind you of that at the end of the podcast today, just in case you forgot or you didn't have your pen or pencil ready um, or you're not convinced, but I know that you're already convinced. <laughs> so first, I want to just have you explain a little bit to everyone, like what is a physical therapist? Because I think even going into medical school, you know, when I was in medical school, we had other people, I went to Temple, woo -woo, um, and there were people in physical therapy, and we didn't always have a great understanding of what a physical therapist does, and I think that translates into residency and after, so what does a physical therapist do? Okay, so, so simply put, because there's a whole long definition I can give, but simply put, Physical therapists are basically rehabilitation specialists. So we help to return someone to prior function. And what that means is, say for instance, if you had a car accident, you broke a bone, you had a muscle strain, you couldn't stand or walk the way you normally would, we would be the individuals that would help to improve your ability to do the things you were doing prior to that. Now, in addition to doing like rehabilitation, we also will work with people doing what we call prehab. So preventative maintenance or preventative mm. management. That's so, important. Yes, very much. So for instance, someone who just wants to prevent an injury, like someone who plays sports or does something repetitively, maybe at their job, or even in just their leisure activities, we may work with them on, you know, how to improve their posture when they are golfing or how they can, uh, run more efficiently, things like that. So mm -hmm. those, those are just simple definitions of what we do, basically improving your function in your day-to-day -day life. Awesome. So we are talking on the Lady Parts Doctor podcast, but really she's explaining that everybody has an opportunity and probably a reason, at least at some point, to get physical therapy, whether you have Lady Parts or not. <laughs> um, and, and she provides care to everybody, not just those with Lady Parts. Right. I, I do. Definitely. Um, we do pelvic floor therapy with my company, which we'll get into a little bit later. So that can involve all people, anyone with a pelvis, males, females, transgender individuals, any non-binary, so forth and so on. So basically anyone with a pelvis can benefit from that. And I love that you mentioned that because we had a conversation about this and I was like, man, I didn't even think about like pelvic floor physical therapy for people who identify as men. And I'm like, you know, obviously they, they have a pelvis, they have a pelvic floor, but I'm just so entrenched in what we do as OBGYNs in our care of our patients. So that was really interesting for me. If you're having surgery after you're recovering, depending on how extensive the surgery is, you might see both a physical therapist and an occupational therapist while you're in the hospital recovering. So I just wanted Dr. Qualls to talk a little bit about the difference between physical therapy and occupational therapy. What is the difference between a physical therapist and an occupational therapist? 
That's a good question. So generally, again, generally, because it's probably more detailed than this, when um, I would say in the workforce, physical therapists will typically work on improving your function. Um, generally, we can we can do the full body. My OT colleagues, and this is my very basic understanding of what they do, they generally work with the upper body, so the upper extremities, but they also have training in cognitive treatment, so people who have had strokes or any kind of TBI, things like that. Um, and I believe, oh, and actually occupational therapists can do pelvic floor physical therapy as well. Um, I don't know their full training, so I don't want to diminish what they do, but on a basic level, they generally work with that upper body portion, as well as working with the mental health and then pelvic floor. In addition to Dr. Qual's explanation, physical therapy focuses on improving a person's ability to move their body in space in whatever those movements might be. Whereas occupational therapy focuses on that same person's ability to kind of maintain and continue to do or get back to doing daily activities. So really all of us will probably need some physical therapy or occupational therapy or both at some point in our lives. And I really wondered, how did Dr. Qualls stumble upon the field of physical therapy? What made her interested in developing this as a career? What made you decide to go into physical therapy? Like how did, how was this something that was on your radar as something that you would want to do? Um, you know, it's funny. I was in, I want to say ninth or 10th grade and mm-hmm. I did some volunteer experience at a hospital and it's in, you know, it was DC general hospital back in the day. Mm-hmm. I, it's not in existence anymore. And so I did some volunteer experience there because I knew I wanted to go into the health field, mm-hmm. but I didn't know exactly which one. So I happened to volunteer at a, um, in their rehab department at the time. And I just really, enjoyed what I saw being done, you know, helping those individuals. I think they were doing more acute care at that time, but it was just like an eye-opening thing because I had never been exposed to pelvic I mean, so, to a physical therapy before. So what were you, what were you doing then? I was, I was just literally, literally a volunteer. So I just observed what the physical therapists were doing in the department. So okay. I was helping out with anything. It was just there. I was there to really just to fulfill my, my uh, community service hours. Or something like that. Keep it real. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so I think once I saw, oh, this is a, this is a job. You could do this. You can help people learn how to walk or do things better. I was, yeah. I was really impressed. So that's how I got initially involved with it. And then from there, just stuck with that course. At this point, I wanted to get back to how physical therapy could really benefit obstetrical patients and GYN patients and really obstetrical patients because one, I'm pregnant and it's on my mind, but two, that's really something that I learned in actual practice. I didn't learn in residency the benefits of physical therapy for our patients, and that's probably because we didn't have access to physical therapists for our patients. But when I got into clinical practice, we had physical therapists that were hired by the organization I worked for, and so we would often refer patients, but probably not enough. So I wanted to know from Dr. Qualls, how does she assist pregnant patients? In my practice, people often come in with complaints, and I I can testify to this too as a pregnant person, that, for example, in my third trimester of my first pregnancy. I remember I was so swollen. I was still working out. I lifted heavy weights, you know, still squatting 180 plus pounds in the, in the third trimester and deadlifting and all of this stuff. I 
you know, I could do and I probably shouldn't have been doing, but things that some people can still do. But I remember I just started having in the third trimester back pain, pain in my glutes or like in my butt pain that would kind of go down my legs. So sciatica is the better description, uh, more accurate description. I remember there was a nail place around the corner from my job. And I used to walk over there when I had enough time on my lunch break to get a pedicure because, you know, self-care is is very important. (laughs) So I remember like towards the end of that pregnancy, I could like, it was so painful to walk. Like my whole pelvis, my pubic synthesis, like my pubic bone, you know, you can just have a lot of pain in pregnancy and people just kind of go, oh, like that's normal. Mm -hmm. I expect you to have pain. You're pregnant. My second pregnancy, the sciatica started in the second trimester. Mm -hmm. And I remember it was during COVID. So the pandemic had started. I remember walking around like on walks with my husband, my son and being pregnant and our dogs. And in my third pregnancy, this pregnancy I'm in now, the sciatica started in the first, (laughs) the first trimester. I was like, oh, I'm pregnant. I have sciatica. I have this pain again. And, and often patients will come in with those complaints and then people just kind of write them off because they expect them to have them, whatever they're pregnant. Um, now I realize, and even then, like when I was in regular full-time practice, I would send patients to physical therapy. But when you hear that, and I can like see you responding when I talk about these things, <laughs> what kinds of things do you do to help pregnant patients? Um, and what are your general thoughts about addressing these pains in pregnancy? Uh-huh. Um, So basically, when I do get an assessment for someone who's pregnant, a lot of times it's because they have some kind of ache or pain. That's usually what, you know, what they come to see me for. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's low back pain, um, that's SI joint, sacroiliac joint pain. um, And then, oh, uh, you mentioned the uh, pubic symphysis pain. Those are the three most common ones I see. And the sacroiliac pain, like what are people complaining of when they, when they have that? um, They may just say, oh, my lower back hurts. And so when I do it. That's meant I can kind of, you know, differentiate if it's like actually the, the, what we call lumbar spine, or if it's actually more closer to the sacrum. So they'll like, oh, my butt hurts on this one side. Usually that upper butt area is where they will start to complain of pain. Okay. Yep. And then um, hip pain too. So when I see them and I find those areas of those problem areas, generally what we will do is work on whatever the issue is that's contributing to those particular points of pain. So a lot of times, um, one, it's the body changing so rapidly. So so your abdominal um, cavity is enlarging. So your center of gravity is off. You're walking different. If you're not as mobile, you may be getting more tighter and stiffer around the trunk area. Your joints may get a little stiffer in your low back because of that pregnancy posture where you're kind of protrude it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you'll have muscle tightness. A lot of times that's your inner thigh muscles, a huge, huge, huge area that gets really tight. Um, obviously, and why does that happen? Why does it get so tight? Um, honestly, I think even if they weren't pregnant, a lot of people have tight adductors or inner thigh muscles. So yeah. if you weren't someone who was working on flexibility beforehand, then it's likely <laughs> just gonna, <laughs> it's just gonna transition over. So it's not it's gonna just, get better. not gonna get better. <laughs> So it's just that um, that your pelvis is changing, the, the joints in between your pel- uh, pelvic bones are changing, muscles are pulling more, creating more pain, more pulling on the pubic symphysis, things like that. 
And I think, unfortunately, that really just happens way too often where we've normalized pain during pregnancy. And even for non-pregnant patients, we've normalized some aches and pains that really could use some evaluation and could be treated and improved. My next question was, okay, so if I come to you with these complaints, what happens next? For example, I'll use myself. I'm like, hey, I've been having this pain. I'm coming to see you. You're doing a consultation. So for people who've never seen a physical therapist, they don't really have a good understanding of like, okay, so you know what happens? What happens? Okay. So basically, let's um, just say I already went through an interview process, getting information from you. I gather all that information. And part of that interview process, that information that she's already gathered is going to include your medical history, medical conditions you have, surgeries you've had, symptoms that you're having that are causing you to seek treatment, and duration of the symptoms. How long have you had them? So then mm-hmm. to the physical part, I'm going to look at a combination of things. I want to look at your posture. I want to look at how you just stand, you know, how your, how your body kind of keeps itself upright if you're looking like you are favoring one side versus the other, or you're kind of positioning your hips a certain way, things like that. Mm -hmm. Then I'm going to look at how you walk. Same thing, just trying to get an idea of what your body likes to do when you move about. That'll give us an idea of what muscles may be working more than others, what's Mm -hmm. tight, what's weak, things like that. I, I I generally would do like some type of squat assessment, depending on the person that may do a single leg assessment, but usually I don't, uh, if there's Mm -hmm. a lot of pain, then I'm going to, it's a single, uh, like, oh, a single leg squat. What do you mean? I'm sorry. Uh, standing on one leg. So, ah, ah, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Got it. Got it. You know, just what, um, their pelvis likes to do as as well as maybe a little bit of balance if they're having some balance issues. Okay. Um, then I like to get my hands on some parts of the body that they're complaining about. Mm-hmm. So I'll do an assessment of their abdominal muscle tissue and fascia. Very gentle. We're not doing any deep digging into any tissues. We're just kind of gently moving that tissue of their abdomen to see how tight it is. Because a lot of times it's going to get tighter and tighter the bigger your uterus grows. Yeah. So what areas are more tight generally I may find above the pubic bone and right underneath the sternum those are some very uh tight areas and along the perimeter on the outer sides the flank I'm going to assess for diastasis which I think we might hit on a little bit in a moment yeah and I'm going to do for some I'm going to do a pelvic floor assessment if especially if that's what they want to focus on so for my pelvic floor portion I'm going to usually have them change they're going to be undressed from the waist down covered with a sheet and they'll be laying flat and I'll assess their external genitalia. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look for any redness, swelling. When I palpate or touch, I'm going to look for any pain points and then see how well their muscles work. So I usually want to see how well they contract, how well they relax, and then how well they can gently push out a little bit. And how often are the pregnant patients complaining of like pelvic floor issues versus, because I think we're in a second, we're going to talk a little bit about postpartum and that is a big complaint um, mm-hmm. that our patients have postpartum. But do you find that often pregnant patients are complaining about their pelvic floor too? Yeah, absolutely. A lot yeah. of times, um, so pelvic floor PTs, we generally work with any condition that impacts your bowels, your bladder and your sexual function. So I'll get complaints like leakage. They'll say when I cough, laugh or sneeze, I'm leaking. Um, they'll have a uh, 
sometimes constipation. We work with patients mm-hmm. on how to eliminate better. Um, they may also complain of pain with sex. They can't find a position of comfort, things like that. So we want to look at the muscle tissue. So I'm feeling for tightness. I'm feeling for areas that are tender to touch or sore. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also going to look at how well, again, with how those muscles work internally. If they have a clearance from their OB or their midwife, I'm going to do an internal muscle assessment. Not the same thing that you all do. We don't use a speculum. We just mm-hmm. insert a finger, gloved finger into the canal and touch the muscles from the inside, feeling for those same things and looking for those same things that we look for on the outside. She says we just insert a finger into the vagina to examine these muscles, but it's really a thorough examination of the individual muscles that make up the pelvic floor. I love this because every time I talk to you about <laughs> something, I'm like, oh man, like this is yet another indication or something that I would refer someone to physical therapy for. So, yeah. you know, that's yeah. why I think I'm, I'm happy that we're having this conversation because I'm sure also some of you who are listening are like, oh man, like I could go see a physical therapist for this. Like, yes, yes, you can. So that moves us to the postpartum patients. And so I would say most commonly, the things that I send patients to postpartum is incontinence. Some incontinence we expect, or incontinence would be urine loss, so leaking urine. We expect patients to have that, or it's very, not that we expect, but it does not alarm us if you're complaining of that, like within the first few weeks after delivery, because that tends to get better. But if it doesn't get better, those are the kinds of things that we refer patients to for physical therapy or pain, um, pain with sex, after delivery, sensations of like pressure or potentially prolapse. So what are some of the common things that you see postpartum patients for? And, um, and then what do you kind of recommend for those things? That's a very general topic, but I'll, I'll kind of help guide you through it if I... No, 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 that's, that makes, that's a good question. So generally what I'll see patients for postpartum, depending on their method of delivery, I may see them for C-section management, the scar management, because they may have pain with the scar at the scar location, may have numbness, things like that. They what? May have- Wait, patients are going to physical therapy for that? Yeah. Yeah. You were just, you know, I'm, I'm just like getting more and more upset at myself at ways that I could better benefit my patients. So this, this is great for me. Okay. Keep going, please. Yes. Um, So I really have to pause here because this blew my mind. I hate to find a missed opportunity as far as the care of my patients is concerned. But at the same time, I'm happy that you're hearing this. So you also know the different types of things that you can receive assistance with if you need physical therapy. Yep. I will also see patients for obviously pain with intercourse once they initiate intercourse. Um, if they had a tear, the same thing, scar management. So trying to uh, release the tissue that scarred down or if they had episiotomy or any suturing, just releasing that um, that tight tissue. Prolapse is a huge one, pelvic organ prolapse. And that's, you know, where the um, structures that supported the organs, they don't have as much support. So they may sag a little bit, mm-hmm. causing heaviness in the vagina or rectum. So we'll assess for that as well. And then if there's something related to that, we'll work on some treatment uh, protocols for that. What else? Urinary symptoms, the leakage, you you mentioned it, urinary leakage. Also sometimes urinary retention as well, but they're not getting everything out. Okay. And then bowel management. Some people who had a really severe tear, especially if it was grade four, we'll work with them on um, fecal leakage as well. 
and or constipation if someone had some constipation issues or fissures and things like that. So the most common complaints that you get, what are the most common complaints that you get postpartum? Um, I would say the most common, probably urinary and prolapse, urinary symptoms, so leakage and okay. prolapse. So that heavy feeling, especially when people start to do more activities and they say, oh, I want to go back to running, but I'm feeling heaviness or I'm walking with the stroller and the baby, I'm baby carrying and or baby wearing, and I'm feeling a lot of heaviness after about 30 minutes or something like that. They'll say mm -hmm. they want to get a little bit, you know, obviously better with that um, and pain, painful sex. And painful sex. Yeah. I think that's something that we see patients for often and we, you know, give as much recommendations, but ultimately whether you're pregnant or not pregnant, that's something that's good to see a physical therapist for. So also kind of going back to postpartum and, oh, I'm you know, sorry. One more thing. I'm, I'm oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Diastasis that separates oh. in the middle. Yeah. If you missed that diastasis recti is the separation of the rectus abdominis muscles or what you commonly think of as the abs along the midline of the abdomen and usually you would you would see that in women during pregnancy or after pregnancy you could also see it as what's called a congenital anomaly in newborn babies that's a huge one that's a that is a yeah. huge concern diastasis um people may have read about it really it's people reading about it most of the time or listening to a podcast and they get really concerned which that makes sense so they want to know do i have one and what can i do to make it better most of the time people won't you know think about the separation if they never heard of it before but they mm -hmm. you know, they basically want to improve the aesthetic of it obviously but also mm -hmm. the functional part because it can lead to back pain and things like that that's right. Yeah, that I can't believe that kind of escaped my mind too. But yeah, that is a common complaint that we get. And, you know, patients will ask me or like ask us as OBGYNs, and that's not something that we're trained to do. <laughs> so, you know, part of being a professional and an expert is also to know when somebody else's expert opinion would be better. <laughs> and that would be a good time to go to physical therapy as well. And now you might be a little more curious about it too. One thing that she's discussed is the aesthetic concerns that patients have about diastasis recti. And that aesthetic thing is it can make your belly appear larger because the abdominal muscles, which typically kind of hold all the organs in place, because they're separated, it allows a space for them to protrude. So you might still look pregnant, even though you're not pregnant, for example. And that can also cause some discomfort. So what I wanted to know next was if you want to get back into exercising, it seems to me that it would be good to consult a physical therapist. So what does she recommend? With postpartum, and this is also me selfishly wanting to know, but for patients, when they're ready to start engaging in exercise, you know, our usual recommendation is, okay, so you want to wait at least six weeks just to allow your body to continue to heal and to continue to adjust before you start easing your way back into activities. Some people say even longer for a C-section. And then I think ultimately people just kind of start whenever they want to start. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what is your recommendation? Like, do you think it's good practice to consult with a physical therapist when you're ready to start engaging in um, exercise postpartum? Do you think, you know, what, what are your thoughts on that? And when, and if you do, when patients do consult with you, what do you usually tell them? 
Sure. Um, actually, that's, that's a good question too. I definitely think that seeing a physical therapist postpartum is really, really important for that reason, because you don't want to jump. A lot of times what happens is people want to jump right back into what they were doing before mm-hmm. without, without, you know, leading up to it. So the same thing you would do if you hadn't been pregnant and you hadn't worked out for a long time, you don't just go back and try to do a marathon. You train for it. You kind of build up strength and endurance and flexibility, same thing. So I would do an assessment with them and see what are the areas that may be problematic at the time of assessment and work on improving those areas so that they can safely return to running. Running is a huge one. Safely Mm -hmm. return to even if it's just something they do leisurely, I don't know, uh, gardening, I don't know, whatever the case may be, just making sure that their body can tolerate long, t- prolonged periods of activity without injuring, you know, without excessive force. The reason why that's really important too, especially with prolapse is you don't want to put too much pressure down in the pelvis or mm-hmm. in the abdomen if you have diastasis. And a lot of times when you lift, you know, especially heavy lifters or run or crossfitters, they may get accustomed to a certain way of breathing where they're breath holding certain Mm -hmm. way of lifting where they are putting more pressure on different structures so they just need a little bit of guidance on how to do those things safely and that's so important to discuss because for anyone who works out regularly whether that be an aerobic workout or a cardio workout you know how defeating it can be to go try and attempt to do something that you used to be able to do really well and just be weak or tired and not able to do it. And really it's hard to resist the desire to just pick up where you left off. It sounds like physical therapy would be a really good option to help you kind of ease back in to whatever it is you were doing safely. Yeah, that's, I mean, again, all I think of is like, you know, if I ever go and start my own practice, I will definitely be hiring a physical therapist <laughs> to consult all the patients. Really, when I start my own practice, because the more we have these conversations, I think about how we can make care so much better for our patients, how we can make care so much better for you. There's so many ways. I think that it would be helpful as we just grow and change in life, whether you're pregnant or not, which brings me to my question about GYN patients. So we talked about incontinence, and that I think is probably one of the most common reasons that OBGYNs refer patients to physical therapy. But is there anything else that you can think of for patients who come in for GYN reasons, like any other reasons that people see you for just GYN? Yeah. Um, the biggest thing is vaginismus. I see a lot of patients with vaginismus, and for those that don't know what that is, it's where a person can't receive vaginal penetration. Vaginismus is the involuntary contraction of the muscles at the opening of the vagina. So that's why when she says they can't have penetration because nothing can get in, those muscles are contracting, they're closing to prevent anything from entering the vagina. And it's estimated to occur in about five to 17% of US women. It definitely deserves its own podcast. So we're not gonna go more into it, but that's something that we can talk about when we talk about painful sex. And so that can, it's a whole topic that I can't go into right now, but basically (laughs) uh, a lot of times the muscles are super tight 
the, the opening is really tight and even the deeper parts of the canal. And so it's really painful. That's a huge one that, you know, I would definitely recommend OBGYNs refer for. Um, vulvodynia, that's painful, uh, uh, vulvar pain, that's three months or more. And that's, again, a whole topic. Oh, urinary symptoms, coughing, laughing, sneezing, mm -hmm. urge, urinary urge, urinary frequency, nocturia. Oh, and urinary retention. A lot of, a lot of times people kind of don't think about that, but they'll say, oh, I'm not able to get everything out or I'm not emptying all the way. So if someone's having like a lot of UTIs, things like that, you may want to see if, if they ruled out a bacterial component or they've done all the antibiotics and they're still having a lot of difficulty expelling their urine, I would say that might be something a physical therapist can help with from a muscular standpoint. Yep, that sounds sounds about right. I'm like, yeah, okay. Those are, I preferred patients to physical therapy for all of that, except for urinary retention. Mm -hmm. But usually I'm either like referring to a urogynecologist who is then going to look at the referral and be like, why didn't you send them to physical therapy first? <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, pretty much how it goes. And because you know that I like you to be left with something that you can do moving forward, something that can improve symptoms you might be having, or just a little something to have in your toolbox of things to do. I wanted to know from her an exercise or some kind of physical therapy recommendation that she might give that could be shared with you. Before you go, because I know you are very busy, I would, I want to leave everybody with something that they can do for something that's very common. So if I came in to you with a complaint of sciatica. Sciatica is a pain that kind of radiates or moves along the path of the sciatic nerve. So that's going to start as a pain in your lower back that can move through your hips and your butt down one of your legs or both. And you were telling me things that I could do at home. What's like a common like exercise or stretch or something that I could do uh, to help with sciatica? Okay. So, and I'll give this little disclaimer. This may not be appropriate for everyone. So you would have had an assessment. Your therapist would have said that this was something that they found and they wanted to use this as a part of your treatment plan. Mm -hmm. So one of the biggest stretches I give for sciatica may be a figure four stretch. Most people may have seen that done. It's hard to explain, but basically you're crossing one leg over the other. You can do it seated. Um, and as you do that, you may lean forward if you're seated. If you're doing it on your back, you may be laying flat crossing one leg over the other, and then bringing the opposite leg closer into your body. So that's going to stretch your, I'm going to say butt muscles, but we know it's the piriformis and some glutes. So essentially you're getting that stretch of the muscle that crosses over the sciatic nerve. And that can help alleviate that tension or compression component as okay. well. Also, um, um, obviously help with the, the pain component of that. In addition to that, we may recommend the person do some kind of self releasing what we call it and they can use like a little a ball a small ball to kind of roll over their butt like a um, tennis ball or tennis ball racquetball a, a firm ball that can you know that won't collapse essentially and okay they can roll, roll it over the butt tissue I'm gonna say butt tissue so that they <laughs> so the, where they're having the pain yes where they're having the pain <laughs> gently not not forcefully you're just rolling it over the tissue to be able to again release that tissue, unwind tight tissue, because essentially we want to make sure that that component is not continuing to contribute to the sciatic pain. 
This is a stretch that has helped me immensely when I have been struggling with sciatica or having pain with sciatica. So I will make sure to include a link on the website, www.ladypartsdoctor.com with the blog, that companion blog for this podcast. So you can see exactly what that stretch entails. I also wanted to talk to her about some things that we can do to help patients who are pregnant not have tears during labor and delivery. She also does instruction for perennial massage oh, yeah. before you deliver to help reduce the risk of tears. And so, you know, as OBGYNs, we know also that there's evidence that says that by doing this massage, that there are different things that you can do to decrease the likelihood that you'll have a tear in labor and tears in labor, like, trust me, I know from personal and professional experience can cause a lot of discomfort postpartum. So she also, as a pelvic floor physical therapist, teaches how to do a perennial massage to help, to help release or relax soften the tissue. Yeah. Just soften that tissue just to make it elongated, more pliable with, like you said, the hopes of less tearing or hopefully no tearing, depending on the tissue. Essentially I will, if I saw them before delivery, then I'm going to teach them how to start doing that. Generally we start doing it about 35, 36 weeks or so mm-hmm. a few times a week. You know, if you could do it every day, great. If you can do it three times a week, that's fine too. Um, and generally just massaging over the perennial tissue. And the perineum is the space between the vaginal opening and the anal opening. And it goes from sit bone to sit bone. And I also may teach some push prep too. So how to safely push. Cause a lot of times people, especially if they're first time, um, uh, deliverers, then they um, may not know how to push properly. So I'll teach them pelvic floor muscle awareness to know how it feels to contract versus relax and push so they can ex- um, have that muscle excursion and hopefully prevent tearing from that aspect as well. I love it. So I think, you know, we went through this. I My goal was just kind of to get people aware of or further the awareness of physical therapy and all the different ways that can be helpful. Dr. Qualls, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. (laughs) And can you remind people just one more time where they can find you and how they can connect with you? Absolutely. You can come to our website, www.qualitytouchpt.com. You can find us on all social media sites at Quality Touch PT, and feel free to give us a call 301-246-2353. And Dr. Qualls might not be a pelvic floor physical therapist in your area, but I wanted you to just hear more about physical therapy to see if that's something that might be beneficial for you, or at least so you know about it. According to ACOG, the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, you could be referred to a physical therapist for things like musculoskeletal pain, so back, hip, neck, shoulder, and knee pain. Other things include physical inactivity, obesity, and maybe consultation before starting an exercise regimen, pelvic floor pain, vulvodynia, dyspareunia. Vulvodynia is pain of the vulva. Dyspareunia is pain when you're having sex. And vaginismus, which we discussed. Urinary incontinence or fecal incontinence, which we talked about a little bit here. Pregnancy and postpartum related pain. So like pelvic girdle pain, back pain, neck pain, carpal tunnel syndrome, postpartum diastasis recti, and a history of falls. I hope that this was helpful for you. If you are listening and you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, 
you know how to reach me. You know I love when you reach out to me and we have another opportunity to kind of talk about or address anything that was left untouched. Otherwise, please don't forget to connect with me to subscribe to the blog at ladypartsdoctor.com or the podcast. Remember, it's available on Apple, Stitcher, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon, TuneIn, and Spotify. The YouTube channel, the Instagram, I'm at ladypartsdoc, L-A-D-Y-P-A-R-T-S-D-O-C. Twitter, TikTok, everything you can find me. Or you can email me if you want, if that's your preferred way of contact at Dr. Hack, D-R-H-A-C-K at ladypartsdoctor.com. Until next time. Mm-hmm.